This week has been very, very hard. Very, very hard. On Monday morning, a shooter went into the Covenant School just down the street and took innocent lives and certainly could have taken more. Our church lost a, a third grader, Evelyn Dickhouse, and we celebrated her life on Friday. And we, uh, Farrell and I went yesterday with the family and we laid her to rest. The Nashville community lost six innocent people, Evelyn, Hallie Scruggs, daughter of Chad Scruggs, the pastor of Covenant Presbyterian, William Kinney, all nine-year-olds in the third grade, classmates, Cynthia Peake, who's a substitute teacher teaching that day at Covenant, Mike Hill, a beloved custodian at the school, and then also Catherine Kuntz, who is the head of school. Our church, I want you to know, also had many, many children that were in that building who survived and who made it out. And we want to make sure that we are continuing to lift up these families and support them and love on them in the aftermath of this. Our hearts are broken. Our grief is raw. But our love for each other is strong. And we're going to get through this. The words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians have been in my head all week. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I've also been thinking about Jesus's words in Romans chapter eight, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, and I believe that this week. Nobody has to go through this, and it still doesn't seem real. You know, our world is full of, of, of heartache and, and pain, and we've felt that in the worst way this week. But our world is also full of beauty and love. There's so much good. Um, Evelyn and the other Covenant third graders were... You may have heard this if you came to the service. They, they were supposed to be in a, a play Friday uh, that was on jazz music. And, and Evelyn's part was she was going to sing that Louis Armstrong song, What a Wonderful World. That was what she was going to sing Friday. You know these words, I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, bright blessed day. Dark sacred night, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. You know, when I heard about this, I, um, I just picked up the phone and called um, my friend Vince Gill. I said, hey, this little girl was supposed to sing this song, and I need, I need somebody to come sing it for her. And of course he did. No problem, I'm honored to. We hear these words this week, and we kind of think to ourselves, we don't live in a wonderful world. We feel like it's a broken world. We feel like it's a, it's a fallen world. And, and, but I want you to know that our world has both good and evil. We experienced Monday evil. 
But what's come out of it since then is good. You know, the story of the gospel is God bringing good out of the worst that human beings can do. And that, my friends, is what we've seen in action this week, in this church, in this community, across the nation. The love, the support, the prayers, the ribbons that uh, Montgomery and her friends started making on Campbell West. They've made like 3,000 red and black ribbons that have gone out all over the city. Tell us if you need one. There's people helping everywhere. And, and we're going to keep seeing that this Easter season. And I would, I would add that we're going to need Easter more than ever before. Because our community, and especially the covenant community, has been through so much. And I want to lift up Covenant Presbyterian Church this morning as they worship and their pastor. And there's a picture on your bulletin of, of that church and that school. Jerry Sitzer is one of the best authors that I've ever read on the subject of grief. And one of the things that he says is, the experience of loss does not have to be the defining moment in our lives. Instead, the defining moment can be our response to the loss. It's not what happens to us that matters as much as what happens in us. It's what happens in us that, that matters. It's what we do with our pain and our hurt. And, and so I said on Friday at the service that we need to do everything in our power to, to keep Evelyn's legacy alive. She was a nine-year-old shining light, just like these children down here this morning. She was an incredible girl. She lived a short life as a beacon of light and hope and love and joy. You know, Jesus said, you gotta let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's how she lived for nine years. And now our charge as her church family, around her family family, is to take the light that some person tried to put out on Monday and spread it to a world that needs it. That's what she'd want us to do. You know, our world does have darkness. Our world has pain. We've all lived it this week. We've all seen it this week. Our world has devastation, but it doesn't have to be the final word. You know, I said Friday that God is in the business of resurrection. God is in the business of bringing good out of evil. God is in the business of light shining darkness. Pharaoh talked about hope. God is in the business of hope. And I happen to think that faith and hope are just two sides of the same coin. So let's pick up her light, friends. And let's spread it to a world that needs it. That's what her family wants. That's what Evelyn would want. That's what we're going to do. Today's Palm Sunday, which marks the beginning of Holy Week, the most important week of the year for us as Christians. And honestly, it's kind of really hard to think about getting ready for Holy Week and all the things that come with it in light of what's happened. Mark, we've been studying Mark, right? And he dedicates six chapters of his gospel to what happens in Holy Week. As it relates to Palm Sunday, Mark says, Jesus set this situation up. He put two disciples, sent, sent them to the village, told them that they'd find a colt tied up, never been ridden. He says, bring it to me. If anybody asks, tell them the Lord needs it. And so we, hear, we have this image of Jesus humbly riding on a donkey into the holy city during Passover. Palms waving, cloaks on the road, people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus enters Jerusalem, not with a mighty procession, not with soldiers and armor and swords, spears, but humble, riding on a donkey, thus fulfilling the words of the prophet Zechariah. Can you imagine the irony of that first Palm Sunday? The Jewish people wanted a warrior. They were expecting a mighty soldier to come and save them from the Roman Empire, the oppression, the occupation, the heavy taxation. They were expecting this grand entry into Jerusalem like that of Pontius Pilate. But here comes Jesus, humble, riding on a donkey, once again reminding us that the kingdom of God is different from the kingdoms of this world. You know, once he comes to Jerusalem, what does he do? He, Mark says he goes to the temple. What happens at the temple? He gets angry at the money changers and he causes a scene. He turns over the tables and he quotes the Jewish scriptures saying, you know, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. He's angry. Makes me feel better that Jesus got angry. I don't know about you. Going to the temple is perhaps even more significant than his entry into Jerusalem. The temple defined Israel. The worship of God and political obedience were inseparable. To cause a scene at the temple was to make a bold statement about the system. Rome had figured out the best way to occupy the land. They did it by paying the Jewish religious leaders to collect taxes and help keep the people in line. And so the chief priests had sold out because it was in their best interest and Jesus knew this. The system was corrupt. And they were taking advantage of these people. They were doing it all in the name of the Jewish faith. Now Jesus is not dumb. He knew that going to Jerusalem with a loud procession and causing a scene in the temple during Passover would be problematic, would not lead to a happy ending. In fact, he had predicted it three times. The son of man, going to be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised. But the disciples didn't get it. They said, Jesus, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know, Jesus laments Jerusalem in the gospels. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as hens, gather her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus didn't like what he saw, and he showed courage in confronting it. The same courage that he showed during his life and ministry, the same courage that we need right now. So in light of what we've been through this week, what are, what are the takeaways on this Palm Sunday? The first one for me is just the ongoing reality that Jesus' kingdom was and still is very different from the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of our world are based on power and money, intimidation and fear, force and violence, but Jesus' kingdom was based on love and forgiveness, grace and reconciliation, peace and hospitality, humility and service to other people. But many still don't understand that Jesus' kingdom, it's a kingdom of peace. 
No, Pilate's horse and chariot were symbols of war, but Jesus' donkey is a symbol of peace. Throughout his life and ministry, he showed that he came not to destroy, but to love, not to condemn, but to help, not to judge, but to forgive. And yet, we still have a hard time with that today because it is so different from what we see in our world. But we long for it, and we want it. Second Palm Sunday message reminds us that courage and strength is a gift that comes from God. And all of us are called to face Jerusalem on some level. Sometimes when we show courage, there are consequences that were for Jesus. Farrell had to go to Vandy Monday, the Dickhouse family, and be with them there. I got there later. That takes courage. What are the Jerusalems that we face? Could be poverty, homelessness, could be racism, intolerance, bigotry, could be cancer or illness, could be just fear. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's coming to terms with the fact that we, we seem to have a gun problem in our country that we can't figure out. We can't seem to fix it. I know it's political. I know everybody's got their opinions on it, but, but we, we have a problem. You know, we also have a mental illness problem in this country that's lingered since the pandemic. Have you noticed that? That even normal healthy people who are usually healthy are just not in a great place after everything that we had to go through. We also can't seem to send our kids to school, trust that they'll come home. And so a lot of you probably had your kids say, am I gonna be safe when I go to school? These are just facts, these are challenges. You know, dealing with any and all of these things takes courage. And courage, I believe, is a gift that comes from God. Jesus showed incredible courage when he entered Jerusalem. And I think he calls us to show the same type of courage when we deal with injustices and difficult situations in our own communities, in our own lives. And I think that courage comes through prayer. I've prayed more this week than I have in a long time. And I've cried more this week than I have in a long time. Courage comes from supporting each other. Courage also comes through making peace with death itself because in order to be free to live in this life, we also have to be free to die. And many people are afraid to die. Third Palm Sunday message is that in life, we have to learn that we worship a God of surprises. You know, sometimes God speaks to us in ways that we don't see coming. And we have to pay attention. Think of all the people in the streets of Jerusalem lined up, waving palm branches, thinking, here comes our warrior, here comes our warrior. He's gonna save us, he's gonna liberate us. And, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, here comes this hippie looking guy riding on a donkey. What a sight. Contrast to what they had expected. This isn't supposed to be the way it's gonna play out. How's this guy gonna overthrow the Roman government? How's he gonna save us from these awful people? How, how can he be the one? How can he put an end to the oppression and exploitation? But guess what, friends? Life is full of surprises. And sometimes when we think we know better, God shows up because God is the master of surprises. 
Life is anything but dull and boring. You guys know that, especially when you trust in God and when you open up your heart to where God is leading you. The fourth Palm Sunday message is is that it reminds us, and this is so true, friends, that sometimes the people who welcome us with praise and adoration are the same people who turn on us very quickly. You know, those who wave the palm branches for Jesus and said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were the same people who just a few days later were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, free Barabbas, crucify Jesus. There's something about violence and hostility that gets human beings excited. Cable news knows that. Makes for good TV. Violence and hostility gets our adrenaline going. Even a few of Jesus' closest followers would turn their back on him, even Peter. And isn't that true in life that sometimes the, the people who know you the best and who you trust the most have the ability to hurt you the deepest? Why do you think divorce is so hard? We know how Holy Week begins. We know how it ends. Palm Sunday and Good Friday are great reminders of how life can often take a turn very quickly. And people will surprise us. And they will abandon us. But God doesn't. My fifth and final Palm Sunday message today is a message of sacrifice. You know, anything in our lives that's worth doing requires sacrifice. Think about this. Hard work and sacrifice. Staying married. Raising a family. Supporting a church so it can continue to have its mission. Having long-term friendships that you nurture. It requires the giving of ourselves and it's not easy. We have to understand that the way of Christ is the way of the cross. And we cannot get from Palm Sunday to Easter without first going through the pain and agony and suffering of Good Friday. But we've all done that this week. It's always tempting and it's easy to block it out, but we can't do it. There are too many Christians in our world today who want to leave out this part. They want the resurrection, but they don't want Good Friday. They want to focus on being happy and joyful and free of pain and fear, but but this is what is so unique about our faith. Jesus was crucified. He understands our pain because he lived it. He understands what it means to be betrayed because he was. He understands what it means to come up against a force that can put you to death. And he knows that life doesn't always have happy endings. It's not all fairy tales. We have to deal with illness and shortcomings and tragedy and hardships and disappointments and loss and devastation and struggle and ultimately death. And we've been through this pain and heartache and devastation this week, all of us. But because of Christ, we also know that death doesn't have the final say. Death doesn't win. Love wins, and hope wins, and our community wins, and resurrection wins. 
And next Sunday, we're going to be reminded that God will have the final word because life goes on beyond the grave. I'm so sorry for what our communities had to go through. And I'm so sorry for these families that have lost children. And I'm so sorry for what many children in our church got to witness and see. But I do know this. Good is coming from it. And good is going to keep coming from it. And if we stick together, if we stick together as a community and we love each other, we're going to get through this. Amen.